everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you all have a great Christmas and a great Christmas break and uh, a safe and happy uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's. And uh, it is the week of Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. And I think we're all fairly happy to put uh, 2020 behind us. Uh, it is the new year uh, and there are a lot of hopes and expectations uh, for this new year, knock on wood, do all that stuff to mitigate anxiety. And uh, Baylor Bears are still uh, number two in the nation in basketball, so all is good in the world. Uh, it brings us to the second week after Christmas, and we're beginning in the Gospel of John, chapter one, verses one through nine. This morning, I'm reading out of the voice translation. In the beginning, before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating all things that exist were birthed in him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms, it cannot and will not be quenched. A man named John was sent by God, was the first to clearly articulate the source of this light. This baptizer put in plain words the elusive mystery of, of the divine light so that all would believe through him. Some wondered whether he might be the light, but John was not the light. He merely pointed to the light, the true light that shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the cosmos, the word of the Lord. All right, well, uh, again, it's a new year and it's another week and therefore we're gonna do another question. So the question of this week to begin our new year uh, is gonna be something like, how might we experience grace this year? How would you experience or could experience grace this year? So let that question kind of sit with you for a second. Um, how might you experience grace this year? Uh, I don't really want to do uh, a 2020 retrospective. Anybody that probably listens to this podcast knows what we've talked about uh, all in 2020. Uh, I'm perfectly fine to uh, learn from 2020, let it be, and, and to, to move on. If we want to do a retrospective later, uh, maybe there's a better time and place to do uh, to do that. Uh, often at this time of year, uh, you know, everywhere in our culture, every ad on TV uh, talks to us about how <laughs> we should change, how should, we should literally change pretty much everything about our lives, new car, new house, new body, I don't know. You know, it just, it's, we're inundated with messages of how uh, we should change and uh, to make New Year's resolutions, et cetera. We know that less than, most research says less than 10% of people actually keep their New Year's resolutions. If you're like, I always keep my New Year's resolutions, well, good for you. Uh, I typically don't make them. Uh, every now and then I'll set like a, a little goal, short-term goal, but I'm not a resolutions person. If you are, again, I give you all the praise, kudos, and accolades uh, that I can. Uh, it's just not really my thing. But uh, I do think that this is a particularly good time to talk about 
how we experience grace and how we experience the gospel, particularly in relation to uh, the new year and all the messages that we get around how we should change and how we should perform and how we should be better in 2021 and how we should look a certain way or how uh, our church wants us to uh, to give more or to participate more. Uh, you know, traditional conservative forms of Christianity have their top five moral markers. Uh, progressive forms of Christianity have a different set of markers in which we should live up to. And so I think the beginning of the new year, and particularly this passage from John, kind of like pans us out and gives us an opportunity to develop and to talk about and to cultivate a kind of counter narrative to this sort of like dominant American uh, Western consumeristic way of thinking that tells us that we should always be adding stuff onto our lives in order to be better. And so we know that traditional forms of Christianity do this, but I, I think progressive Christianity often has um, a high, high value um, towards doing as well. It just exchanges the morality, uh, mor- the moral markers for what constitutes a good Christian. So, uh, like progressive forms of Christianity, uh, you know, I've talked about it before, but it can just be a new form of measuring your spiritual, religious, or political uh, accomplishments or affiliations. So, it's not that different from traditional Christianity, which is why I always try to um, argue and posit that uh, yeah, at Mission Hills, we're really trying to um, not add more uh, to our Christian faith, but we're trying to we're trying to alleviate and we're trying to let go of a lot of stuff and maybe go a little bit deeper into areas that we've uh, neglected in the past. So, progressive Christianity can be really demanding and actually severe because it expects people to participate in certain practices in order to still qualify to be good enough, uh, liberal enough, woke enough, whatever it is, right? It can be incredibly judgmental in this way, like, right, it leads to othering, right? Because you're separate from those um, bad conservatives or traditionals or um, even you know, you're even more progressive than the other progressives that would deem themselves, how dare they, progressive Christians, right? So um, they haven't read as much as you, or they haven't uh, gone to as much uh, training as you, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so it can lead to a real sort of like self-defeating mentality, because there's always somebody um, doing more and demanding more. It's a kind of treadmill of progressivism um, that is certainly, you know, that is similar to how modern life really demands, uh, keeps demanding from us. So uh, at the beginning of every year, we're like inundated with all these messages of self-improvement, transformation. And I think the Gospel of John gives us a great opportunity to stand back, take a breath, and really let this poetry uh, that's what the beginning of the Gospel of John is. It's it's this poetic introduction into how uh, how the author of the Gospel of John uh, sees the sort of cosmic spo- uh, scope of what Christ is doing uh, in his life and how that spans out to all of history. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity at the beginning of the year to, to kind of let that uh, poetic grace wash over us a little bit and then on Sunday, we can have a conversation about how uh, we might experience grace in the new year rather than falling into uh, the mode of being, 
of uh, American culture that says, well, if we just add enough stuff to our life, then maybe maybe I'll quell the anxiety or I'll just uh, I'll be a little bit better and will um, be a bit more impressive to somebody or I'll finally have um, the kind of like self-assuredness that I've always been seeking. And uh, the Gospel of John, and I would say uh, the biblical message is that uh, it's a matter of letting go. It's a matter of allowing this sort of poetic love to to wash over us and tell us who we really are at the, the ground of our being, the true light of uh, Christ that's within us, right? Okay, so I just want to touch on a couple of things that we uh, might find helpful and that we can possibly talk about on Sundays. For me, I would say that I experience God's grace in a variety of different ways and at certain times, but one of those in particular is when I really think about the uh, cosmic scope or expression of Christ. And the Gospel of John, uh, at the beginning of the, the verse that we just, uh, the chapter in the verse that we just read, uh, maybe does this better than any text. This is what uh, Richard Rohr would refer to as uh, the universal Christ, uh, God's mystery being made visible in history, being made visible in Christ, which is made visible in you and me. The The text uh, is it's a really brilliant text. We'll read it again on Sunday. Uh, and this translation says, uh, immersed in the practice of creating all things that have life, have its light, living and breathing and mysterious. Uh, I love to think about the cosmic uh, scope of life. And when I read something like this, my mind always uh, pops into a movie called uh, One Day on Earth. And, and basically the, the synopsis of the film is that um, there's a bunch of filmmakers all over the earth and they film one day in every country. And it really displays uh, such the, the beauty and devastation that's constantly happening on our planet at the same time. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll put a, a, a clip in the show notes. Um, and so the cosmic Christ that John is writing about in this opening poem um, creates this, this depth and this scope of, of life and history uh, that's that's remarkably mysterious. That is kind of the inexplicable beauty and mystery of when we think about the the cosmic scope of life and the beginning of the universe, uh, but also brings it to uh, to the tangible and the personal, something that we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands and and feel with our heart. And for me, um, this universal expressed in the personal and the intimate is really one of the cores of the gospel. Um, it's the core of uh, the truth of our being, uh, as this text would say, you know, the light at the center of our beating, our being, uh, that we don't have to do anything, right? We don't have to measure up. We don't have to accomplish something. Um, it's not that in 2021 we should work out more or read more or get involved in some organization more, be more politically engaged, uh, the gospel is cosmic and mysterious. Uh, the text says it fills the darkness with light and immerses itself in the quiet act of creation. The darkness cannot overcome it. It simply creates. And uh, one of the, the main words for this, uh, way, way to think about this, is simply the word love. Um, love fills the darkness with light. 
in the quiet act of creation. It sort of bubbles to the surface and it cannot be stopped. Uh, I, I love this kind of poetic imagery of grace because it simply just comes into being through the act of love and through the act of creation. Um, and I often think about um, the process of, of creating a piece of art or for me creating a song. It's something that it just kind of bubbles to the surface. You just kind of play long enough and eventually a song kind of emerges. It's, it's not the that I sit down and say, well, I want to write a song about this, this, and this, and I'm going to be very calculating about it. Maybe some people write songs like that. I don't know. But for me, it's this kind of like quiet bubbling of the sur- to the surface of something that was kind of hidden deep within. And then through, through the act of playing and through the act of practicing, uh, something that didn't exist kind of comes into existence and takes on a life of its own. And it's really, it's really quite magical. Uh, and I'm sure many of you have created something uh, and have a, a similar experience. And I think this is what John is uh, getting at here. It's, it's this act of love. It's joyful for the sake of enjoyment. It's for the sake of love and, and nothing more. And this is such a powerful counter message to a culture and um, a religious institution that says, well, if we just do more or we just be better next year, we just uh, give more to the church or just get a little bit more engaged, then whew, you'll be all right. You'll be good. <laughs> you'll be good enough. Uh, no, it's, it's this act of creating that's, that's patient and it's quiet. It comes through um, it comes through simply being, and then at the right moment, so love happens. Some, something clicks. Um, that is the stirring of grace that happens to us over time, that we get caught up in, that takes us by surprise. And I think this was what John is writing about when, he ta- when he's talking about the cosmic Christ coming into the universe and coming into our lives, you and me. In verse 9, uh, at the end of this, I love this line. Uh, the true light who shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the cosmos. The true light who shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the cosmos. It's this, it's this stirring that shines upon everyone. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, how might we this year contemplate that kind of mystery can we see how um, a cosmic frame of the gospel can transcend our religious or cultural inclinations that implicitly or explicitly ask us to uh, do more, be more, change more? Uh, it's important to, to remember that we are not what we have done. We are not what we have accomplished uh, we are not what we will do in 2021. Uh, we are expressions of the word, the logos, the divine blueprint, the elusive mystery of the divine light, and that all things that have come into existence and have passed away from existence and that will come into existence, all things are given life through this mystery. The beginning of the, the gospel, uh, it gives me a profound amount of gratitude for simply being, for simply existing. And my hope is that it will give you a sense of joy for, for who you are in this Christ mystery, 
this elusive divine light that shines upon the heart of everyone. You are here created by the cosmic word of life to simply be and to become who you are to become. Uh, Paul Tillich, who I often quote around um, the topic of grace, talks about joy being the emotional expression of the courageous yes to one's own true being. The expression of a courageous yes to one's true being. And you get the sense of what he's, he's drilling down at uh, with all that happens in life, there is an acceptance to one's own true being, right? Grace is the acceptance that we are accepted. It is through this kind of uh, deep acceptance uh, of ourselves and the world as it is uh, that we are able to, uh, as uh, Paul would say, uh, live and move and have our being. We are to live and move and have our being in Christ. Um, so I think we'll I think we'll leave it there um, for for this week. Um, and I guess maybe as a as a closing um, in for 2021, uh, my message would be: don't change. <laughs> it, d- there there is nothing that you need to do. The seed of grace and the cosmic Christ and the love of Christ is already deep within you, is already been bubbling to the surface within you. Um, you're here and listening to this podcast. Uh, so let those cosmic words of love wrap their arms around you for a little bit. And as we begin the new year, uh, I pray for all of us a, a sense of deep joy and enjoyment of our being this year um, and the experiences that we, we will have, accepting ourselves and the world as it is, devastating, joyful, all at the same time. May we not forget that the true light shines upon the heart of everyone. And I want to close with a poem that I shared the other day um, called For a New Beginning. In the out-of-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming waiting until you are ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, Wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground. Your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plentitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. 
Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will become home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. And as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.